So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review of Dear Evan Hansen, the latest Broadway musical to be brought to the big screen. A couple things before we start. Number one, if I talk a little bit differently, it's because I just had Invisalign put in uh, that I'm using to kind of straighten my teeth a little bit, and you got to wear them most of the day. So I'm still kind of getting around how to talk with the Invisalign stuff in my mouth. My apologies if I uh, lisp a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of learning and adjusting here. I'm just a couple days in. The second thing before we even really get to talk about Dear Evan Hansen, is that uh, even though I'm not incredibly familiar, intimately familiar with the musical, I do know just from the years since it came out and the talk and building up to this movie that this is a musical, particularly because it deals with a lot of very sensitive issues, including uh, depression and mental health. This is a musical that means a lot to a lot of different people. And before we go forward, I just want to acknowledge that. And, you know, if you love this musical, if it means something to you, that is wonderful. Remember that nothing that any critic says, nothing that I say or anybody else says can change your feelings. No one's going to prove you wrong. I'm not going to say you're wrong for liking this. And I'm actually more curious now than I was before to see the musical version of Dear Evan Hansen because I know that there were some changes made. And I wonder how that affects the overall outcome of the story as a whole. But I wanted to mention that first and foremost because I recognize that and I see that and as I go into the discussion of this movie I don't take any happiness or glee in the discourse around this movie and my thoughts on it and I don't think that Dear Evan Hansen is a willful misfire or a terrible misfire I think that it is an unfortunate misfire. I've said it a few times on different shows, but I am a big fan of Broadway musicals. And one of the frustrating things as a fan is that a successful transition from stage to screen is actually very difficult. And it's for a number of different reasons. It usually kind of varies depending on the musical. When you look at a movie like The Producers, the version that was an adaptation of the Mel Brooks musical, I saw that musical on Broadway. And the to the back row hysteria of the actors is brilliant on stage, but ended up looking desperate on film. When you look at a movie like Jersey Boys, which had that great Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons music, it was completely deadened by the lethargic direction of Clint Eastwood. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of life or energy, and that's why that movie didn't work for me. When you look at a movie like Cats, well, you know, Cats was just Cats. It was what it was. It's kind of its own category. It's very difficult to nail this transition. And the one thing that seems to be consistent is adaptation. It's hard to adapt a Broadway stage musical to a movie. And this is another example of the difficulty of nailing that process. Dear Evan Hansen starts with a critically misguided casting choice that I think undermines the entire film and then adds on to that with some story decisions that really left a bad taste in my mouth. Let's start with that casting choice, and it is unfortunately Ben Platt. Ben Platt plays 17-year-old Evan Hansen, so he's playing a character now 11 years his junior. This is a role that Platt won a Tony for back in 2013.
2017. Dear Evan Hansen also won Best Musical at the Tonys that year. And in interviews that were going out around this time, the director, Steven Sabosky, said that when they were looking to cast this musical, that it was either Ben Platt or nobody. Looking at the end result, I really honestly think that the Ben Platt or nothing decision may have been better left at nothing because Ben Platt is immensely talented. There is no debate about that. And you see that immense talent on the screen in this movie. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you. The problem isn't that Ben Platt is 28, 27 when this film was being shot. It's that he looks his age. He looks like he is 12 years older than a high schooler. You're a senior in high school. You need to be able to order dinner for yourself. You can do it all online. Okay, well, that's not that's not true, actually, though, because um, the credit card's expired, so you have to meet the delivery person at the door. A lot of times you can get around uh, casting 20-somethings. There are several 20-somethings, other 20-somethings in this film that play high school students, but they look younger. They look like... Like high school students. Ben Platt doesn't look anything like a high school student, and it sticks out like a sore thumb for this entire movie. On stage, you can cast a 26, 27, 28-year-old as a 17-year-old for a couple of reasons. Number one, the audience is just physically more distant. The other thing being that the artifice in a Broadway show is visible. The stage is visible. The sets move. You're much more engaged as an audience in the fact that you are seeing a performance of the film. Movies, to me, are more about immersion. You don't want to see the artifice. You don't want to see the stage pieces moving. You want to feel like you are brought into the story that you're living life through the eyes of this character. And I never felt that. Every time I saw Ben Platt on screen, I thought, oh, I'm seeing him doing his performance of Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway because he just didn't fit into the story they were telling. I get that you would want him to play this role. Obviously, it was a big role for him, but the movie just wasn't made soon enough to cast him in this part realistically, and it undermined the entire movie for me. Let's put aside the age thing for a moment and get to the story of Dear Evan Hansen, which finds Evan Hansen, who is an awkward high school student. He also has a severe mental illness. He takes several medications. We'll get to that aspect of the story later. But everything really kicks into gear when another student named Connor, who's played by the understudy for Evan Hansen on Broadway, an equally, let's say, aged-looking actor named Colton Ryan, Connor kills himself with a letter that Evan wrote to himself in his possession. Look, I really need that back, so can, can you please just give it back? Connor's family thinks that Connor wrote the letter to Evan, and they want to learn more about their son from what they think was his only friend. So Evan panics and fakes a friendship with his dead classmate, which culminates in a memorial speech that goes viral. There's also a foundation set up. Things snowball very quickly, and Evan's lies get bigger and bigger and bigger, as he's also brought into this family something he's always wanted for his entire life. I mean, most people think that I'm not that cool of a person. Sounds like most people don't know you very well. The melodrama runs very high in this movie. This is not a small story, and it's not a subtly told story, and it's why the casting is not the only issue I have with the movie, but the supporting cast is actually pretty strong. You have Caitlin Deaver as Connor's sister Zoe, who's also Evan's crush, 
Amy Adams plays Cynthia Murphy, Connor and Zoe's mother, who's desperate to get to know her son through Evan. Julianne Moore plays Evan's mother, who doesn't really get much to do until the third act except be absent, but then she has this big show-stopping number. Amanda Stenberg is the class president who heads up fundraising after Connor's memorial service. And Nick Dodani plays Jared, a classmate who helps Evan fake emails from Connor to prove that their relationship was legit. She wants to see the emails. And now you want me to make a bunch of fake emails for you. Classic. You know how to do that? It's simple coding. This whole concept of the movie, the idea of faking a friendship with a dead classmate who you barely knew and then intimating your way into his family, starting a romance with this guy's sister, uh, this entire act, this chain of events is morally reprehensible. It's absolutely, it's unforgivable. This is sociopathic behavior. Evan Hansen in this movie inflicts acts of emotional terrorism on a family, on a community, a grieving community, and by extension on the people who take up Connor's cause and his memory after Evan's speech goes viral. These are unforgivable things, and it seems like a lot of the people in the movie think that, except it doesn't really seem that the movie thinks that. And you can make a movie about bad characters. You can make a movie about characters who do bad things. It all depends on how you frame them. I think that Joker was a movie about a guy who does awful things, but it is a character study. I don't think the movie is condoning these actions. It's portraying these actions. I don't think that's what we have here. When I look at Dear Evan Hansen, I don't see a stark portrait of a troubled young man who does sociopathic things and and then pays the price. As a matter of fact, I think we kind of have the opposite here. Without going too much into spoilers, to say that Evan Hansen gets off lightly for what he does in this movie is an understatement. As a matter of fact, in what is apparently uh, a storyline that was uh, invented or rewritten for the movie, Evan kind of does the thing that you see with that sociopathic behavior where he tries to get out in front and says, go ahead, please hate me because I'm a terrible person to try to head that off. And then commits an act, which I would argue is even more of a betrayal of the trust of the memory of the classmate that he barely knew to begin with. And this is all viewed, at least in my opinion, from the movie's point of view, as this uplifting thing, this moment of clarity for Evan. He comes out on the other side of it, and he realizes that all he had to do was emotionally terrorize a family and an entire town to find his true value and his true self-worth. I didn't see any irony or hedging of bets with how the movie was presenting this story. We never see real consequences, and I don't think that the character ever really grapples with the true pain of what he's done. I think he just sort of doubles down on what he was already doing, but in a more quote-unquote sincere way, and that's the catharsis that he reaches, but I don't think that that's a serviceable message for the movie. I didn't come out of this movie saying, good for that kid, and I think that's what the movie wanted me to say. I think the defenders in the movie would say, well, that's not what the movie wants. I think that is what the movie wants. I think the movie wants you to think that this character has made these big leaps and bounds forward, but I don't think he has. I think it's a destructive message, honestly. I think it says basically that if you do these horrible things, but you say that you feel bad for it, then you deserve automatic forgiveness uh, without really having to pay any penance and sort of determining your own penance, and that's enough to receive the grace of those that you've wronged. And I don't think that that's 
a very healthy way of portraying especially the grievous amounts of damage that he does in this film. When you add to this the fact that the topic of mental health is heavily explored in this movie, but in my opinion, is sort of reduced to the cliche of, uh, you know, an excuse for bad behavior, a fallback for why I do such bad things, and is used as an excuse by this character. Again, we're falling back into the sociopathy, and again, I think you're stigmatizing mental health in some ways in a project that's supposed to lift the stigma from mental health. And the thing that makes the waters muddy here is that when you look at the supporting characters, they actually treat this topic, especially with mental health, with a lot more grace and humanity and reality. Um, there is the Amanda Stenberg character who is really able to articulate very well the idea of uh, not showing on the outside that you may have um, issues with mental health, but but the, the way that that can be isolating or how you kind of have to grin and bear it and you don't want anybody to know. The anonymous ones never let you see the ache they carry. It was actually the most profound statement on that that I found in the entire movie. And you also have a look at the grieving process through Connor's family. I, I thought that all three of the actors who played Connor's immediate family uh, were outstanding in this film. And it's because you got to see their thinking, their conflicted feelings, the, the feelings of a sister who was alienated from his brother, the feelings of a stepdad who was alienated from the child who he desperately wanted to be his but was never biologically his, the feelings of the mother played by Amy Adams who wants to kind of shut out the negative and find the positive. This is so much more interesting than the sort of squishy Hollywood-ized version that we're getting with Evan Hansen. It's a case where I think that the main character is the weak point in the movie, partly because of casting, partly because of how it's written. And instead, if we had had this story about uh, this this kid who killed himself and the family trying to pick up the pieces and the community trying to make something good out of it, I think that would be a much more interesting movie. Ever since the first screenings of Dear Evan Hansen recently at film festivals, I think a lot of film critics have sensed blood in the water, and I've and I've seen this narrative around the film that it's like oh it's a cat's like disaster it's the new thing for everybody to go and laugh at because it's a catastrophe I don't think it's that necessarily I think that the decision to cast Ben Platt is one of the most horribly misguided decisions and yes there are laughable moments in the movie when he has to play the 17 year old Hanson Kelwani pick it up no thank you when you look at a role like this, even if the movie, uh, the quality was the same, because I don't think that recasting the lead role, that obviously wouldn't change any of the story issues. But when you look at the role of Evan Hansen, this was a really good opportunity to bring in an actor who was more age appropriate and looked more age appropriate for the part. This could have been a real breakthrough role for that young actor in the way that playing Evan Hansen in the original Broadway production was a breakthrough role for Ben Platt. And then you can maybe get him involved somewhere else, maybe rewrite the script, bring him into the story, find a role for him. But instead, we have a movie that is from second one completely undermined by this decision and then just sort of devolves and goes downhill from there. I don't think it's an awful movie. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think it's a misguided movie. I think that the story decisions are misguided and the casting decisions are misguided. That that's not to say it, it's without merit. Again, I think that the, the the supporting cast is very strong. I think that some of the music is memorable, although 
I, I didn't really care. It, it kind of reminded me, honestly, of The Greatest Showman, which is makes sense because it's the same songwriters. Uh, most of the music I didn't particularly care for. It seemed kind of generic Broadway pop to me. I know that there's a lot of people that love this musical and love those songs. That's completely fine. I think this is just an aesthetic thing for me. And I warmed to the music of The Greatest Showman in the months after I saw it. So maybe I'll warm to this music as well. But overall, Dear Evan Hansen just didn't do a whole lot for me. I didn't think it was particularly profound and kind of the opposite. I thought it was a bit damaging and destructive in the ways that it told some of its messages. So it's not a recommendation for me, although I don't think that it is the absolute car wreck uh, that so many others have made it out to be. Uh, Having said that, um, if you love the show already, then I'm guessing that you'll probably enjoy the movie, although perhaps the changes will not be to your liking I can't really speak to that. If you're looking for the movie that's going to win you over on Broadway adaptations to the big screen, I don't think this is going to be the one. Maybe you have to go see West Side Story. Maybe go back into the back catalog and find one. Uh, But I would not recommend this one as the one to jump in. Uh, Honestly, I would recommend even more In the Heights, which did no money this summer, uh, as a musical adaptation to screen that I enjoyed, uh, despite not having seen the Broadway musical that it was based on. So not a recommendation for Dear Evan Hansen. And I think it's got some real fundamental issues at its core that go beyond Ben Platt. But what did you think? Are you excited to see the movie? Are you one of those folks that's had the soundtrack on repeat for years now? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, please stay tuned here on the channel. I'll be checking the box office for Dear Evan Hansen uh, next week on Charts with Dan. We will also be talking about the new movies that are coming up. It is a big October for movies. Lots of stuff and some big announcements coming up very soon down the line. Thank you so much for watching. Please stay safe out there. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.